0: Are you looking to build a career in aerospace engineering? Stay tuned as we go deeper into this subject. Welcome to the ZISTA podcast where we invite industry speakers and academicians to answer questions that students have within a particular area. Today we're focusing on aerospace engineering and joining us today is Dr. Kiran. He's a distinguished scientist, He has a rich academic background. He studied in India, Germany, went on to complete his PhD in nanocomposites, worked with ISRO at the Vikram Sarabhai Space Center, and he's currently with Skyroot Aerospace, where he's leading R&D and strategic projects. Let's go straight into the session. Welcome on the podcast, Dr. Kiran. We're absolutely delighted to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much for the invitation, and it's also nice to... Uh, you know have a uh, lot of people listening to podcasts like these and these are good for the young next generation to get in touch with uh, people working in uh, various fields especially in the budding or emerging technologies of the country
0: absolutely that really is our intention we're trying to connect with industry speakers and get their voice their thoughts their opinion across to students so let me ask start by asking you what inspired you to pursue a career in aerospace engineering? I, I do realize you have a background in material science and engineering, metallurgy. So how did you make your way to the aerospace industry?
1: It is always a dream as a child, you know. Everyone used to look at the top sky. We used to sleep as kids at the top of the, you know, buildings. And those days, those days were gone because now it's totally polluted. We can't even afford that except in villages or even the fascitoes. But uh, we had a lot of uh, night watch uh, sky watching, night sky watching, and we right. used to count the stars. We used to look a lot about the constellations, and uh, I had a lot of interest or enthusiasm even today uh, to look at, uh, you know, take photographs of, uh, you know, the constellations, the night sky, the planets, and mostly the sun. And even today, I do a lot of sun imaging and a lot of uh, photography, astrophotography. So this has been continued interest, and uh, uh, through the you know study what I do, uh, did, and through the ways in which I have progressed in my career, I had a lot of exposure to aerospace materials. It right, led me uh, towards working at uh, the Indian Space Research Organisation's Space Centre. Uh, this has actually uh, boosted my uh, knowledge base as well as uh, given me a huge amount of strength for, uh, you know, getting into the aerospace sector. Fantastic. So, it's actually, it's a boon for me, which I think uh, I should be thankful to Isro about.
0: Absolutely. I I have deep respect for Isro and the work that Isro has done, and it's so amazing that you've actually had a chance to work there, and now you're working with an equally exciting company in the form of Skyroad Aerospace, so... There's some really amazing stuff that you've been doing uh, here as well. So, coming to Skyroot, how would you define your role or perhaps your responsibilities as an aerospace engineer, as an innovator?
1: At Skyroot, we do a lot of activities, especially catering to the needs of the next generation type of uh, satellites, which are being uh, evolving throughout the world. We are trying to build launch vehicles like taking customer satellites from point A to point B, right? Like a car typically does, takes us from one place to other place, but we also try to leave them at their house and not leave them at the bus stop. (laughs) That's what we try to do. And we customize uh, and we're so much flexible as possible. So similar to the concept of uh, a cab, we take people instead of people satellites in this case, take them from their house and leave it at their location of intent. It
0: must be so complicated and so many calculations. Precision would be absolutely key. And, uh, you know, getting it right, I mean, I don't think this is a place where you get second takes. Uh,
1: One important point what uh, is in the entire field of uh, space is reliability right so that is one thing whatever we make should be 100% reliable a small misallocation, a small uh, wrong thing what might come would lead to catastrophic damages and when a huge financial loss of, so that is supposed to be avoided at all stages that's the reason reliability is the key aspect especially in aerospace domain but uh, if you consider the entire scenario of Uh, rocketry, satellites, downstream applications. Common band will be benefited to the maximum extent in all these roles. So, if we think of how Skyroot is progressing in terms of uh, these aspects, we try to take satellites of customers and send it to orbit. That's our primary thing. And we have been developing small satellite launch vehicles. In fact, uh, we launched the first private uh, launch we came from Sri uh, Harikota on 18 November 2022, creating historic milestone of uh, the first private launch from entire South Asia successfully in the first attempt. So it is a great motivation for the entire team and in fact also a great motivation to our country that private sector and especially launch vehicles are coming up.
0: Amazing to hear. Absolutely amazing. I wanted to ask you. You know, you were talking about safety, reliability. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, tools and technologies that you're using to test scenarios, trajectories, uh, even perhaps you know, uh, you know, calculations that have been being made by the team. What kind of uh, you know technologies exist today, and what are some of the technologies that are emerging, which are likely to shape and transform the sector? So there are a lot of
1: technologies currently being developed. But uh, space takes that with a pinch of salt because it involves lots and lots of testing and especially catering to the fact that they should be reliable. So this is one of the key aspects when we consider space. But uh, looking at the perspective of evolving fields of engineering which are going on currently and we try to embrace them at Skyrope. For example, editing manufacturing or 3D printing what we call it in colloquial language. And we also have composites which have been known. We embrace also advanced composite technologies. So we 3D print objects which are necessary to be 3D printed. Which can be, uh, you know, time consumed by conventional groups. And we also take the complexity of the object into consideration. We have a team who designs all these things. So these people are experts in mechanical design aspects. And these things, the... you know are significantly uh, helping you know the entire uh, team to build the necessary object
0: correct anything that saves time without compromising on reliability and safety as you mentioned i think would be a big boon uh, coming to the context of ai and machine learning are there ai systems that you use to you know run simulations or uh, test different scenarios
1: so Uh, I'll tell you an example. Uh, As we are transitioning from the previous question what you asked me, Uh, right? we have a lot of mechanical engineers working with us. We have a lot of uh, engineers from aerospace working with us. We have a lot of engineers from all the core branches of engineering work with us. So the most important point in all these fields is that all these fields are the core branches of engineering. And the advances in these core branches of engineering are pivotal for the development of the sector and also for the entire uh, field of space sciences. We also embrace advanced technologies like AI and ML to the extent it is possible. So we use them in various uh, aspects of the core branches. So the core branches control everything rather than AI and ML control doing it. So you should. Uh, You should also be a a motivation for the next generation that AI and ML are equally important, but the core branches are much more important than these. Without the core branches of engineering, AI and ML are
0: nothing. I think you made a very valid point. Um, There seems to be a rat race. A lot of students want to just walk in a specific path, follow the herd, and go towards programs, uh, that are aligned to the AI and ML space. But as you rightly said, the core branches of engineering are equally, if not more important. In fact, they're driving the entire show and AI and ML would play a supplementary role, but your core knowledge, your domain knowledge and different core branches of engineering are critical to the success of the aerospace industry, for that matter, other industries as well. Absolutely. So if you consider the case of current, the way in which
1: students are well, choosing their the uh, engineering fields, or parents leading the children towards choosing their engineering fields, better to say that. So, the children who choose computer science, AI, ML, are mostly avoiding core branches. On the other hand, the number of students who are taking the core branches of engineering is decreasing significantly, leading to catastrophic damage to the manufacturing sector of the country. So if you look at it from a different perspective, AI and ML getting into the system would definitely ease a lot of you know stuff. Mm-hmm. Every branch of engineering or every branch of scientists whoever has studied can switch or can additionally learn AI and ML and utilize their in their utilize them in their core branches of engineering. Right. On the other hand, the core, the AI and ML people cannot get into any core branch of engineering at a later stage.
0: It's a lot tougher. I mean, I guess if it's someone was tougher. really determined, it, it's it's actually possible, but it's a lot tougher. It's almost like going back and exactly. and being a student again for a significant amount exactly. of time. I can imagine e-
1: exactly. And what happens also is uh, if there are around eight hundred students who are taking in an engineering in an engineering college now. And if you consider the number of students who are taking mechanical or materials or uh, other core practice electronics, they are probably 20, 30, 40. So this is a huge change and keeping in view that AI and ML are going to reduce the mundane jobs. Right. All those jobs which do not involve brain. All those jobs which are regular Uh, you know, sort of uh, typing jobs sort of stuff, those things will be reduced by AI and ML. So what happens is that a lot of computer science, uh, AI, ML people would be having no jobs for the future.
0: So what you said really makes a lot of sense. For the startup ecosystem in any, any country to thrive, to do well you require people from different backgrounds and disciplines and if there is an unfair or let's say a tilted kind of scenario where you have more people walking towards computer science and and AI and ML uh, and that space and you don't have people in the core engineering branches it will be very difficult for the startup industry to actually do well whether it's manufacturing whether it's aerospace whether even if you look at the heart of India which is SMB so many SMBs drive our economy uh, they also require qualified engineers, and not everyone needs an AI and ML engineer, but your core engineering disciplines are equally, I would say, perhaps even more important. You know, uh, yeah. so as they say, don't if, forget your roots. You...
1: <laughs> yes, yes, of course. If you look at the current scenario, where the economic status of our country is quite robust, where a mm-hmm. lot of economies throughout the world are having a massive hit due to post-COVID reasons. So, if you look at our current uh, proposed uh, growth rate of around 6 to 7%, which is envisaged by the country, so there is also a huge push which has been given to the entire uh, sector of innovation, startups, and uh, very, very conducive policy by the government, especially towards promotion of, uh, you know, all the advanced uh, technologies leading to product development. So, there is a huge push, and this can be further increased when we have optimum, uh, you know,
0: students who are actually taking that into consideration. I get that. Right. I wanted to ask you, Dr. Kiran, you know, do you see gaps that are existing today in the aerospace sector? Uh, Does the sector need any solutions? Are there any opportunities that students will be able to exploit going forward?
1: The aerospace sector, as currently is going on in the deep tech sector okay and it's a deep tech hardware uh, setup and uh, there are a lot of uh, disruptive technological uh, advancements which are uh, taking place and uh, uh, long term solutions for complex global challenges are actually uh, taking place in a silent mode okay and uh, this leads to the catalyzation of uh, economic activity on a long-term basis and also innovation and indigenization for the country. In order to keep abreast with these things, people or the students or the next generation prospective scientists and engineers should be abreast with what is going on throughout and how people are able to come to that point is when they are abreast with the technologies or advances. But there is a significant lack in... People's passion. If you consider the amount of students who are actually passionate or extremely passionate or obsessed with the number of people who are having literally no uh, interest, but they're doing it for the sake of doing it, we see a huge gap. So, any any startup or any deep tech startup, especially either uh, Skyroot or any other company in the space sector, what one of the most important point what people look at is passion and that passion not in words but in work and in deeds. That is what drives a student to be a great person in the future. And uh, if you look at the overall scenario, uh, India is has positioned itself very well in the G20 which has attracted significant amount of global attention. And also investments pumping in through. And we also have a lot of fusion of technologies which are happening nowadays. Okay. So these are all to be encashed by the next generation. And the next generation can encash it only when they're extremely obsessed with what they're doing. Do anything, do 100%.
0: Absolutely. When you said fusion of technologies, uh, could you perhaps expand on that and give us an example? For example,
1: uh, let's take the case of 3D printing, what we have been talking about in the previous uh, show. No. But, so, 3D printing is one which has been embraced by medicine, not only by space, but also by medicine and defense. And 3D printing has also created medicinal uh, or uh, orthodontic uh, design technologies, which are you know suitable for Mechanical engineers, fusion of medical shield as well as fusion of uh, mechanical shield.
0: Got it. Using a technology like 3D printing, two disciplines are kind of coming together, finding a unique use case for a unique problem that needs to be solved. And uh, that's amazing to hear. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, this is only one example. There are many things which has to be completely evolved from the mind, thinking out of the box. So we have been all thought of doing our uh, regular homeworks and we UH are chosen. And once we stop doing our homework of reading what is going on everywhere, we are never ever able to come out of the fact that we are inside Got
0: it. Correct, it. And there was one more important point that you raised, you know, about making indigenous products. So if you are deeply passionate, you are tracking what's happening in the global sector and you try and find suitable materials which are local which can be locally sourced you could produce something at a fraction of the cost at which companies today are acquiring it and you're saving you know uh, you know dollars going out of the country uh, and you're of course helping the local industry interestingly sometime back we did a episode on the iot sector and our guest was talking about Uh, how the local manufacturing that's happening in India, it's got such a big policy push that it has majorly helped the IoT ecosystem here and it has brought down the cost and that in turn has, you know, reduced the entry barriers. More startups have entered the space and they're able to have a working prototype at a far lower cost. So that's really interesting as well. So if you look at the overall
1: scenario, of course, there are Mm a lot of challenges what one faces either as a startup or as a person with uh, some thought process towards uh, having a startup in future. Of course, there are a lot of challenges, there are a lot of opportunities and there are also a lot of financial requirements from the person he or she who is doing that. If you think about the entire scenario of how uh, the challenges are being, uh, you know, can be thought of, one of the most important challenges what we feel is, or we had much more uh, thirst of that infrastructure, the limitation of the infrastructure which is available in the country. But that's being changed slowly. It's being improved to a greater extent, and it's going in a very better way for the startup ecosystem. A lot of projects are being uh, given. The future is bright. And there are also a lot of projects being envisaged by the government towards uh, R&D expenditure for the startups. Of course, talent is one thing which uh, one has to be cautious about. But we just talked about and a very conducive regulatory environment what we have currently. So I think the regulatory environment is very good. And simultaneously, the market itself is also evolving. The market is bending towards India. Mm -hmm. previously we had barriers but now there is no barrier what is the market? Lobe is the market or Lobe is not the market itself space is limitless So there's no you know there's no barrier at all people send now stuff to the space stations
0: absolutely that's really nice to hear
1: And, and there's also a lot of opportunities which are ahead Because of the fact that there are a lot of emerging technologies which are coming out, you have to choose the right emerging technology for the solution and give an innovative, you know, complete new solution for the customer, whoever it is, in whatever field it is. And that is what is able to take the startup or, you know, whatever the idea, whatever the student or uh, have in his mind, he or she has in his mind, uh, towards the global market. And sustainability, very important. If you look at uh, how uh, we are going ahead and people should also have the thought of having something like green green technologies in line which will embrace uh, future sustainability in a very, very good way for the company. And of course, one most important point is we should be customer. We should be very flexible to the needs of the customer. Sure. So I think most of the startups have that within the country and they are very customizing. That is also the reason why people look upon India as the you know, their favorite destination for all these things. And we have to give Made in India a very, very good and very, very high rating among all the things in the country, in the world. So if you look at, for example, the global scenario Made in Germany, Made in Japan have a very, very good name. Yes. And Made in India has to be much above that. So that is what we look at. And uh, as we were talking, of course, financials are also equally important. The venture capital and the investment, especially in the deep tech, is slowly coming up. So people start investing in early stage, uh, you know, scenarios of companies. And there's also good governmental support, especially, you know, trying to bridge that and support the ecosystem. So, these invite a lot of collaboration and also a lot of support and engagement from both from the investor side and the industry experts, policy makers and the, the academia. So, when I probably leave it now at the academia, the academia industry relations have to be strengthened. Right. If you look at an engineering college where a lot of students are now working at uh, on their projects in the fine year, Most of the projects are given by the professor. So, we have to build the professors also, uh, you know, with the technology. The linkages. Linkages. Exactly. So, it should not be a mere, uh, you know, project which is from the textbook what uh, he or she has uh, read a year ago. But it should be an actual problem and identifying the problem has to be done by the student. So, students have to identify the problem And create a solution for that so without identifying the problem and creating a solution what is the work or what is the motivation it will be one more project this is of no use there are a lot of problems existent in every engineering college right from a small switch which can be automated so To, you know uh, in in uh, in campus uh, Driving system, for example. Lots and lots of things can be done inside a campus of a university, which can be correlated with industry and regular visits to industries, identifying the problems for the industry faces and creating a solution for them within their college. They don't even need to inform anyone. A simple visit to an industry, creating a problem statement, answering the problem statement does not need to inform the industry after the solution has come inform the industry or before you start the project inform more than happy the industry is more than happy to take a solution the next generation of students should actually work with the professors making them also uh, understand the emerging companies emerging startups talking to them visiting them as groups I'm not talking about uh, Skyroot or anything but a lot of uh, you know Organizations are there. If a student is able to create a solution for the problem what they are facing, more than happy to take it. But most important is the companies run and academia and students work. There should be a pace at which the academia and the students should run
0: to can the company. I think this point. Yes, this point that you made links really well with some other point you made earlier about uh, having you know more students in the core engineering disciplines, and to complement that, to kind of further boost that, if there were these linkages between institutes and uh, you know the industry and academia, I think it would really result in some breakthroughs. There were also some points that you made earlier. If I can summarize, you're talking about the market being ready and willing to accept India, the regulatory environment being conducive, uh, things being really at the right place at the right time. And now is a good time to actually look at new technologies, see how they can be implemented and really move forward. So there's a lot of good points that you made. And I'm hoping what you're saying will really ignite someone to think afresh, think of what they can do uh, within a particular sector or a particular field of engineering and really forge ahead. So thank you for that, Dr. Kiran. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what are some of the skills and qualifications that are required specifically for the aerospace industry?
1: So the core branches, as I was telling you, are the important aspect. Yes. (laughs) And more the core branches, the basics, what they study. People should be, the students should be very, very well versed with the basics, what they are doing in their core branches. And in addition to that, a little bit of passion, a little bit more of passion and a little bit of obsession. So we okay. typically need people who are extremely passionate and obsessed with what they work. And that can be very easily identified the way one addresses a problem on the interview. So at Skyroot, we take a lot of uh, interns, a lot of students uh, at the interns for over a uh, period of six months. I don't know, as paid internships, and then we convert them into, you know, sort of uh, regular employment depending on the performance during their internships. And we are very selective in choosing our uh, people. That's uh, one important point because we don't want, uh, you know, people who are not passionate. That should be there, that spark should be there within the person.
0: And if that culture, from a cultural standpoint, as an organization, if you have a lot of passionate people, you're obviously going to make great strides in the field that you're working in. And I can totally relate to that. I can understand that. It's a, it's a good strategy, I would say.
1: Yeah, Indeed, actually, uh, the COVID has actually led to some of the students not being able to get that spark in them, the knowledge base for a period of two years. So, that has actually backstabbed a lot of students. So people have to come over that by, you know, doing uh, putting in a lot of effort and they should be extremely passionate. That is actually the key to success. And All this right. is not only during the interview, during the regular you know, process, but it has to be over the entire life cycle. Then only the progress will be significant for the country.
0: Got that. I just want to say thank you for you know really shedding so much light on what is required what are some of the gaps what are the skills that you need and why is a great why now is a great time to join the industry so thank you for making time and coming on our podcast dr kiran we're absolutely delighted that you're here today and sharing what you did this was an amazing session there's so much i've learned i'm sure you did too Subscribe to our channel on YouTube to get notifications when we post new content. Follow us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Our handle is the Zista Podcast. We're going to be connecting with Dr. Kiran once again, so watch out for the follow on episode. Till we meet again, we'd say stay curious.